Okay, let's get started. Today is January 15, 2023. This is Sunday Morning Manga. I am Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. I live stream here every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube. A video recording it will be available at youtube.com slash Derek S. McGrath and an audio podcast version at derekesmcgrath.substack.com. You can read my writing on WordPress and other sites at derekesmcgrath, and you can email me at derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider a monetary contribution. Putting together this stream takes a bit of work, and your tips help pay down costs for setup and subscriptions. One-time contributions can be sent to coffee.com slash Derek S. McGrath, and you can subscribe monthly at my new Patreon at patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. Thank you for your considerations. This stream is not endorsed by any companies mentioned, any persons mentioned, or any financial contributors mentioned. This stream is intended for information and entertainment purposes only. All names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of the stream is the intellectual property of the speaker, me, unless otherwise indicated. The views and opinions expressed on this live stream are those of the speaker, me, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any other persons mentioned in this stream. This live stream is not safe for work due to coarse language and content warnings discussing works that feature horror and violence. As with every Sunday, there is a reaction to a recent recent manga chapter, but that will have been Friday when Viz released new manga chapters and today is Sunday, so that wouldn't be a live reaction and neither will this. Instead, I'm going to ramble about how my grad school research on nostalgia, melancholia, and homesickness led me to a manga about a vampire being roommates with a werewolf. This time we're discussing the manga Survamp, and more specifically, it's chapter 99. Links to Survamp and other content from today's stream are available on my website, DerekSMcGrath.wordpress.com. There's also a script for today's stream and all images for greater accessibility. And as annoyed as you are hearing it, I'm just as annoyed seeing it. We're not out of this pandemic, people. Please mask up when going out or indoors and please get vaccinated. Arkansas, your state has a so-called governor who is a damn fool. Don't listen to her dumb ass. Get vaccinated to protect yourself and others, and mask up so you are not spreading COVID. And before we get to Servamp, I want to again thank those who have contributed to me on Patreon. If you contribute at the $5 tier, you can listen early to my audio commentary for Episode 2 of Bungo Stray Dogs Season 4. I'm really enjoying this season, and I hope my audio commentaries point out how episode 2 is saying of future plot lines and using the artwork to enhance what is already in the story. So, if you like Bungo Stray Dogs, or you like hearing me hyperfixate on what is so good about this season, check that audio commentary out early at patreon.com slash You can also listen for free when it comes out Tuesday on YouTube, Substack, and WordPress. I want to thank Coffee and Patreon contributors, including Emily Lauer and Ella Roach. Thank you for your financial support. With all of that out of the way, let's get on with today's reaction. This time we're talking about Servamp, more specifically Chapter 99. This is not like previous discussions I've done. This won't be a repeat of what I did last weekend looking at Blue Lock. Last time I went through the good, the bad, or the bizarre of Blue Lock, I won't be doing that with Servamp, not because it doesn't have good, bad, and bizarre contents that is all worth discussing, but I want to get more personal and discuss how Servamp propels what I enjoy about research and publishing. Let's start with the plot. 
quoting from the website for the English publisher of Servamp, that being Seven Seas Publishing, quote, When a stray black cat named Kuro crosses Mahiro Shirota's path, the high school freshman's life will never be the same again. Kuro is, in fact, no ordinary feline, but a servamp, a servant vampire. Mahiru's personal, while Mahiro's personal philosophy is one of non-intervention, he soon becomes embroiled in an ancient, altogether surreal conflict between vampires and humans. End quote. That's not a bad summary. There is a lot more to this story beyond that summary, and that's because the supposed conflicts between humans and vampires gets bigger as the story unfolds, allies become enemies, fighters switch sides, and more and more magical beings get involved in this war beyond just vampires. I'll get more into who those characters are and how the plot has changed over time, but first, let's talk about the people behind the creation of the manga and the anime. The manga has been published since 2011. It was adapted into a 12-episode anime produced in 2016 by the studio Brainspace, the same studio behind Natsume's Book of Friends, Spice and Wolf, Princess Jellyfish, My Little Monster, Golden Kamui, Bakano, and Dura Ra Ra Ra. I probably put in too many or too few raws in that. There was also a theatrical film for Servamp released in 2018, but unfortunately, it hasn't been released legally in the United States yet. The manga is written and illustrated by Strike Tanaka, translated into English by Wesley Bridges, with lettering by Courtney Williams. The manga is published in the U.S. by Seven Seas. The anime is directed by Ito Sara and Hideki Nakano is written by Kenji Konuta with music by Kenji Kawai. The Japanese sub features performances by Takuma Terashima as Mahiro, sorry, Mahiru, Yuki Kaji as Kuro, Tatsuhishi, sorry, Tatsuhisha Suzuki as Subaki, Yuta Suzuki as Sakuya, and in the English sub, you have Clifford Chapin as Mahiru, Chuck Huber as Kuro, Brian Olvera as Sakuya, and I've mentioned these next few people at the end of a lot of these live streams. The dub also features from Twitch and the D&D Isake series Sun, Death, Sun, Life, Micah Solasad as Subaki and Ayu as Otagiri. The anime is distributed in the United States by Crunchyroll. What does any of this have to do with me? Sometime in between when the manga started and when the anime started, I had finished my doctoral dissertation. It was titled American Masculinity and Home in Antebellum Literature. And if you're hearing that, just about none of that sounds like it has anything to do with this manga. And as I read the summary for the dissertation, it's pretty much still not going to sound like anything to do with this manga. If I can go off script for a moment, maybe if you squint and think, well, the time period might align with parts of Servamp, but you would also say, yeah, but geographically it doesn't tie in together at all. Quoting my dissertation summary, quote, The conventional argument in literary and gender studies of 19th century United States culture has been that the home was women's claimed sphere of influence, whereas men were excluded from the home because of their economic, cultural, and societal commitments to the public sphere. Hardly only a women's domain, the home was a powerful force in motivating constructions, of masculine subjectivities before the Civil War and long after. This study traces the permeable boundary between the supposedly masculine public and supposedly feminine private spheres to identify the opportunities and challenges 
that the home provided to United States writers, men and women, and across the spectrums of race, class, religion, sorry, class, region, and religion, end quote. Going off script again, this dissertation, unfortunately, also is very limited on looking beyond a man-woman binary. In revising the dissertation for publication, this will be addressed. But getting back to the script I have in front of me for today's live stream, all that dissertation, what does any of that have to do with the Japanese comic about vampires? Despite how bizarre, potentially, the plot of Servamp may sound, thematically, it was right up my alley in terms of what it shows about the gendering of household work. As I hinted at earlier, there are obvious differences between the times and locations covered in my dissertation and in this manga. My dissertation was about the 19th century United States. Servamp is mostly set in contemporary Japan, although it does track back to earlier time periods and puts its own spin on ancient and popular vampire lore. Still, despite those differences in time and place, and despite how gendering household work in the U.S. differs from that in Japan, I can't help but notice from my vantage point here in the U.S., and looking at Mahiru, and appreciate how, as a character, Mahiru's interest and behavior does run against limited gendering when we think of boys and men. In other words, sometimes, it's nice to have a series to see a character who is a teenage boy who is into housework and domestic tasks. In the series, Mahiru is frequently referred to by his classmates and friends as being like a house husband. There is some reductive humor to that, a lot of gags about that's not how a boy or a man should behave, but it is also treated as just a reality for Mahiru. He lost his mom. His dad isn't here in his life. His uncle is busy at work. Of course he's going to take care of himself and take care of his uncle, his friends, and that means cooking, cleaning, doing the work that needs to be done. That is commendable, and the series doesn't really make gags about why that is important. It is poking fun at the gender differences, but as I hope I'll clarify, it's not so cut and dry in this series to suggest that the series doesn't recognize what is valuable in that work and how it is part of Mahiru's core identity and what propels him to be such an important ally to Kuro. I'll get into this a bit more because it does kind of get reduced to typical shonen fight sequences, but we'll get to that. It is fun to see how the story incorporates this set of domestic details into Mahiru's fighting style. Yes, there is something problematic that a boy like Mahiru in a primarily shonen story is put into a position where he has to fight... that he has to fight things out. He has to turn domestic items into combat items. Something... Can't some Doesn't something like this risk suggesting that a real man can only do housework if he also somehow redeploys those domestic items for what we still unfairly and inaccurately gender as only masculine, that being fighting? Maybe we can continue that discussion if I ever get around to talking about another series, The Way of the House Husband, although at least that series is making jokes about the supposed incongruity, whereas Servamp is a bit more covert and hence potentially more dangerous, and not as good at pointing out the incongruity so much as just pointing and laughing at Mahiru for 
what he does in his free time and acting like that's not what a boy should be doing. But despite all of this, I can't look at Mahiru wielding a broom as his combat item and not think, oh wow, this is a cool way to have him owning who he is. He is a house husband kind of character, and that is valid. His initial magic weapon is a broom, more akin to how we imagine a woman witch than how we imagine a man witch. To clarify, a witch who is a man, not the sandwich brand. All of this complicates his portrayal once we start meeting other combatants in this story. For example, we meet numerous magicians in the series, and while just about all of them are man-presenting characters, the names and symbols for their techniques are not wholly what we would call masculine, but are also coded with ancient symbols out of Greek and Norse mythology culture that are coded as feminine. So, on the one hand, you have Greek and Norse culture coded as feminine, and Mahiru just standing up with a contemporary item like a broom and using that as his weapon. It's a series that keeps perpetuating men take on these emblems and use them in their own fashion, even though we traditionally associate them with women. Granted, that then presents another problem that these men-presenting characters are wielding feminine symbols as if putting them under their own control, but I'm going to need to cut off my discussion there, not only because I'm just excited to talk about this series, because unlike a lot of other content I read and write about, this one keeps saying more and more as I get through it, but also I need to pause for a moment. I will be right back. And we are back. So, continuing where I left off. I appreciate Servamp for giving me something to talk about, even as I can't get all the answers immediately because I rarely feel like the story is making content problematic just to be offensive or boorish or insulting. It instead feels like the story is wrestling with how complicated relationships are and how little of our world can be reduced to any one thing. Maybe I'm overcomplicating this. Maybe Servamp is just a story that gets dismissed as for kids, it's not that deep, or not as well structured in character progression or narrative structure, or just reduces people down to good guys and bad guys, and I'm just imagining the gray area and moral questions that I think the series is presenting. Then again, as I said, when your story is about how people are not wholly good or bad as we want to imagine them to be, but that people, but are people we still have to deal with daily and sometimes you need to forgive them, it makes sense that the symbolism and implications are not as neat and clean either. And speaking of how things are not that simple, 
This is what I tried to get out, maybe not as well as I wanted to, when I gave a presentation on Servamp a few years ago. In 2017, I drew upon my dissertation research for a presentation at Anime Expo in Los Angeles. The presentation was titled, Ha Ha Boring, Nostalgia and Melancholia in Servamp and Anime Fan Communities. The title comes from the primary antagonist of Servamp, that being the vampire Subaki. If you're watching this on YouTube or Twitch, you can see Subaki on screen. A admittedly kind of wicked looking character, dark hair, dark glasses, staring right at the viewer with a kind of wicked grin. The thing is, in Servamp, there are seven vampires, each one representing one of the seven deadly sins. But then we meet our antagonist, another vampire none of the others had heard of before, and his name is Subaki, and he is the vampire representing the sin of melancholy. But how is melancholy a sin? And what does that have to do with what I just said about things not being so neat and clean and orderly? And what does any of this have to do with me bringing up fan communities in the title of that presentation? Forgive me, I'm going to be quoting bits and pieces from my earlier Anime Expo presentation, but the gist is that the story Servamp makes sure to choose Subaki Sin as melancholy. It's not accidental. But why on earth is melancholy treated as a sin? Let's define that term and how it relates to what Subaki wants. Subaki's story is reflective of medical, psychoanalytic, and cultural conceptions that have been with us since the 17th century regarding two ideas. Two ideas intertwine with each other. The first is melancholia, as Subaki calls himself the very sin of melancholia. The second is nostalgia, and that has been long associated with melancholia, both in medicine and in popular conception. Subaki, as presented in Servamp, is a sympathetic villain. His creator, his adoptive father, was killed. That is melancholy. Melancholia, defined in psychoanalysis as a repetitive action in an attempt to live through trauma, is practiced by Subaki in his repetition. That's the title of the presentation, that quote of ha-ha boring, that's the running gag, and that is one of the ways he is repeating an action to deal with a trauma. There are his repeated attempts to murder the other vampires in the series, that is a repeated action to deal with trauma, but melancholia as repetition is also motivated by its cousin, that being nostalgia, the repeating of the past. What is nostalgia? In popular parlance, we mean that you are wishing to get back to something you had in the past. You're nostalgic for old TV shows, or meals your family used to make, or places you used to visit. It is a desire to get to something familiar. It is a desire to go home. And that is the literal medical definition of nostalgia that has been with us since, I think, around the 17th century. That was its older definition, and it's one we tend not to think about nowadays when we think of nostalgia as just, I used to watch that show, I used to hang out at that location. The word nostalgia comes from Greek to refer to pain associated with a lost home. From the 17th to 19th centuries, nostalgia was used as a way to explain the phenomenon seen with increased travel, and to use that idea of nostalgia as a medical condition to defend some pretty awful actions. 
it was used to defend the impressment of sailors into maritime service. Nostalgia was even used to defend slavery. The attitude was you would hear someone say, oh, that sailor didn't jump ship to get away from being impressed into service, they jumped ship just because they missed home. Or, that enslaved person didn't jump ship because they'd rather die than be put into slavery, they just wanted to swim all the way back home. It was an utter bullshit argument. Nostalgia was defined as a homesickness, as a way to explain the physical dimensions of people suffering from enslavement, imprisonment, forced labor, and torture, rather than, you know, blaming those institutions, blaming enslavement, blaming imprisonment, blaming forced labor, blaming torture. It could never be what was done to the person was the problem. It had to be something internal in the person. It's not that the enslaver was the problem. It's that the person enslaved was nostalgic, and that was a problem that had to be corrected. A little bit of a sidebar, Servamp touches lightly upon these ideas in terms of how the vampires are recruited against their will, and that their resistance is seen as abnormal, that they just won't go along with the system. Kind of ironic that Tsubaki, well, probably not ironic, but perhaps thematically appropriate that Tsubaki, who represents the sin of melancholia, is the one attacking the institutions that are trying to enslave vampires. Just a thought that I hope to develop a bit more in the future. But there is still something to that idea of nostalgia as not just our fan reaction to something, but as literal homesickness. Tsubaki is not just melancholic. His melancholia takes that form of nostalgia, his desire to return home. He wants to return to his creator. He wants to resurrect him. He wants to get back to a family, so he sires other vampires to form his own family. I go into more detail about all of this in the presentation I gave at Anime Expo. I will share that as soon as possible on my WordPress. But the rest of that presentation I gave went into detail about how we can understand melancholia as more often associated with creation. You know, the moody artist who creates stuff, or Subaki creates a family. So, melancholia is associated with creation. But then we tend to associate nostalgia not with creation, but with audience reception. The melancholic artist creates something that the nostalgic fan remembers and gets nostalgic for. Melancholy is creation. Nostalgia is passive memory and appreciation. Where am I going with all of this? I won't go through the rest of that Anime Expo presentation because I want to get to a more recent chapter of Servamp that I think tackles this idea of homesickness in a more obvious fashion. Nostalgia, like melancholia, depends on a loss. Melancholia is a constant process of responding to loss in comparison, nostalgia tends to emerge out of the finality of something. The final episode, the final chapter, the final work by an author or an actor or a production company, the final part of a narrative arc. Melancholia persists, nostalgia tends to emerge out of something ending. It's a bit of a difference. Melancholia persists, nostalgia ends. The way that nostalgia persists, even though the product itself has concluded, is by returning to that work. You get nostalgic once you reread something, once you rewatch it. Nostalgia is that attempt to re-engage with that initial fascination, to get back to how things used to be, and that means nostalgia can lead you to do something you're going to regret. 
I certainly regret something I did last weekend on this stream because I had a snippy remark against the reboot of Trigun Stampede. I didn't react well to that first episode. I'm going to say it, I'm not getting into this series. Yet. It's not that there aren't good parts to this reboot. This version of Vash the Stampede is pretty much the same core identity that's been in any iteration of Vash. I like that this series mixes and matches the manga with the earlier anime, so we have Meryl now as a news reporter. I like the character redesigns. I just don't like them in 3D. I really wish this was in 2D because looking at the designs in 2D, they look really good. Or maybe that's just toxic nostalgia gain in the way of I want 2D animation. I don't like this newer fashion 3D animation. I like how the series uses music to enhance the action but I don't like the camera movements of that action. I don't like the pacing of the action. I'm not impressed with how the 3D animation affects that action. I'm ambivalent about how the series rushes to cover backstory that fans of the first anime and the manga already know about Vash and how he got to this point in his life, whereas the original felt like it was setting up a mystery and you got to uncover it along with Vash and the other characters. It is hard to separate my enjoyment and criticism of this series when I'm letting nostalgia get in the way of judging Trigun Stampede on its own. I am letting nostalgia make my reaction toxic. I am letting nostalgia justify bad reactions. I can't say that reaction is the same as Subaki trying to kill other vampires because one is not liking a series, the other is someone committing genocide. But I can say when melancholy and nostalgia are linked together so strongly, I can't help but look at Subaki's reaction as reflective of larger problems and how fans like me become toxic out of nostalgia. This brings us to another character in Servamp, and that's the vampire that killed Tsubaki's creator. And it's the vampire you already heard about in the series description. He is the vampire who represents the sin of sloth. He is Kuro. I had said earlier how Servamp is as much about the blurred, the blurred line between good and bad. Kuro is supposed to be our protagonist, but he killed someone. Subaki is supposed to be our antagonist, but he is suffering from a loss and he keeps losing more and more. And at this point where the manga is, we are now seeing Kuro having to wrestle with his deeds in the past, what brought him to this point in his life, and it starts with his own desire to go home. I don't think I'm explaining this very well. So let's do a reaction. We'll go page by page through one of the chapters. In this case, chapter 99. That should clarify what I mean by nostalgia emerging out of the home. Maybe even link all of this to what I was trying to say in that dissertation topic. So, what has changed in the manga that has altered my argument, not only with how I regard Servamp, how I regard nostalgia, but how I regard my own dissertation? Let's go through chapter 99 of the manga. You can read it in volume 16 of the manga. That's available for purchase at the Seven Seas website. We'll start on the first page. That's location 89 out of 170 if you're reading this digitally like I am. As you flip to location 89 out of 170, I'll give some context about where we are in the story. In the previous chapters, 
After a battle that went south, the cat vampire, the sin of slot himself, Kuro, and his partner, the high schooler Mahiru, are teleported from Tokyo to London. As they go through London, memories start to come back to Kuro about what he has forgotten over the centuries he was asleep, including that of a werewolf named Gear. And if you're watching the stream, you can see an image of Gear, a dark-haired young person. Well, they present themselves as very young, but they are centuries old. He's in mid-transformation into his vampire form with a lot of fur covering his arms. Gear is not happy to see his old roommate Kuro is back. You see, Gear and Kuro, sorry, Gear and Kuro had a close bond back in the day, and Kuro promised to come back to Gear, only he didn't. On location 89 of volume 16, the first two pages of chapter 99, we have a two-page spread that shows memories of the past for Kuro and Mahiru. As the manga is getting ready for its 100th chapter, this is a look back on everything that these two characters have encountered. Their allies, their opponents. It's also a visualization of the inner toil inside Kuro and the sin inside his very soul. Let's flip to the next page. We see Gear is driving Mahiru and Kuro, as well as his friend Yutaro, to get them out of London. Because they got beaten by those vampires and they need to stage a getaway. During the drive, Gear is explaining more about the secret society that Mahiru's uncle works for. It's a magic group known as C3. And Mahiru learns that C3 was actually founded by Kuro and Tsubaki's creator, the creator that Kuro killed. And that creator is none other than famous vampire-adjacent figure Count Saint Germain. But if vampires were able to track down gear, that means Kuro and the others aren't safe in London, so... Gear says he's going to take Kuro to the secret house. Kuro starts freaking out, turns into cat form, and tries to get out of the car, but Gear just grabs Kuro by his tiny kitten head. What does Gear mean by the secret house? This is none other than the house that Kuro and Gear used to share centuries ago. And this is what set off all the alarms for me reading this chapter and thinking of my dissertation. This is where my dissertation research ties in. When I wrote the dissertation, my fixation was how homes in the 19th century were used as settings to draw out more emotions from largely men-presenting characters. The 19th century United States was more complex in its understanding of the household when it comes to gender than I think we get that time period credit. But this was a problem back then, one that persists into today, and one that unfortunately needs a lot of work in revising my dissertation, and that is binary thinking. We still tend to act like men close off their emotions, women are more open with their emotions. The house is for women, men stay out of the house. What alters that understanding as I read Servamp is how Gear is positioned to be as much of a homebody as Mahiru. Like, you're getting two characters who are our homebodies, who are the ones who stay at home and this does not negate their masculinity. It doesn't negate their existence as men. This is not emasculating. This doesn't lead to gender bending necessarily. It's just these are men and boys who are the ones who do the work at home.
While Mahiru and Gear are the homebodies, there is a difference. Whereas Mahiru is someone who busies himself cleaning up his home for his uncle and Kuro, Gear is much more a tech expert. He loves anything that is new technology. He loves anything that is supposed to make things simpler in his life. He loves a mobile vacuum. He loves tools that make things more convenient. We'll see that he's not the one doing a lot of the household work. That's his friend Yutaro, but we'll get to him more in a moment. As Gear has kept up with new technology, that means he hasn't stayed in the same home. He's gone away from that rustic home he shared with Kuro out in the country centuries ago, as we see on the next pages where we see the cottage he and Kuro shared is a bit worse for wear. This house has come to represent the collapse of his relationship with Kuro. This is why I love looking at literature about homes and why I wanted to do research on them in grad school. When they arrive at the house, Yutaro says... It's got cracks in it from the rain. It's still a bit of a mess after he and Gear visited earlier that month. All of this demonstrates just how bad things got for Gear when Kuro left. The problems of their relationship are made manifest in the house itself. So if you're yelling at me, so it's like the House of Usher by Edgar Allan Poe. Exactly. Think of it like that. All of this leads to the revelation as we flip a few more pages through the chapter to see the hole in the roof. But we'll get to that. Let's flip to the next page where Mahiru asks Yotaro how he's able to deal with such a vicious werewolf-like gear. This just makes Yotaro laugh where he says, that's just what a friendship is, that you trust each other. This makes Mahiru a bit self-conscious, because he's wondering whether he is able to do the same, whether he has been reaching out to Kuro in the same way and accepting him, or if he has harmed their friendship. Unfortunately for Mahiru, Kuro is just outside eavesdropping on this, and it's making him remember not only his friendship with Gear, but something Gear said to him long ago. When they first met, Gear said magical creatures like them, vampires and werewolves, they're not like normal humans. They are going to outlive any humans they meet. That's why these two stuck together for so long. They stayed together in one home, one cottage. They weren't changing or developing with time. This is what makes Kuro into the sin of slothfulness. It's not only inaction, it's not changing. That's his sin. That is the problem when you are stuck in a rut for so long. And personally, there's a lot to pull out of that another time as I want to keep going through this chapter. We leap forward in time. Kuro has received a letter. It's asking him to kill his creator, to kill Count Saint Germain. Gear tries to convince Kuro that he doesn't have to do this. But Kuro insists on going to Japan where his so-called father was located and ending him. Gear considers how much a trip to Japan will cost, but then he doesn't commit. Like, Gear thinks and says aloud, a ticket going there would be expensive. This is the other sin, that Gear could have followed his friend along, but he didn't. Kuro insisted on doing it on his own, but Gear didn't put up much of a, a front. He can't admit, I love Kuro. I'm concerned for him. I want to make sure he is safe. All this stubborn werewolf can say is that Kuro better come home because, you know, there's a hole in the roof. You can see it up there and it needs to be fixed. And Gear says he can't do it on his own. So 
Kuro better come back so that they get to work on that together. Gear can't just say he loves Kuro. He has to bury that love into the house itself, making it symbolic of their bonds. Like I said, Gear says it'll take the two of them to repair that hole, so he's going to wait for him to return. And Kuro remembers all of this, and then he looks up and sees that hole is still in the house. And he realizes that stubborn werewolf, that stubborn gear, he refused to fix a thing until his friend came back. That is both heartwarming and infuriating. And it's worse than that. It wasn't just that, oh, gear got stubborn and said, well, fine, Akuro won't come back, I won't fix it. We find out that gear waited for Kuro. And when he didn't come back, he went through Japan searching for him to find him. And when he couldn't find him, he came back empty-handed to England and left that hole in the cottage. Was it stubbornness? Was it mourning? Was it waiting, hoping that, no, no, he'll come back and, you know, he's a werewolf. He'll live long enough. He can live as long as it needs to be for Kuro to come back and help him fix it. It's left ambivalent for now why that hole is still there aside from the thematic value of saying this is a relationship that has broken apart like a house that can't survive when a piece of it is torn apart. We cut to Mahiru and Yutaro. They have been working in the kitchen to make lunch and then they find that the lunch they made has disappeared. That's because when they weren't looking, Kuro, Kuro took it up to Gear as an apology. He went up the stairs to Gear's room, knocked on the door, and offered the sandwiches. Gear says he wishes, upon hearing this apology, that he could say, Kuro doesn't have anything to apologize for, but he can't say that. So, typical Sundere behavior. Gear can't say, I accept the apology, or... I don't want to hear an apology because that's not enough. He can't just say something directly. It has to be these oblique, I wish I could say you didn't need to apologize. Kuro is barely listening to Gear. He is in his own world, his own thoughts, and he's just letting them all out. He starts saying how scared he is because he thought after killing the Counts that all these problems the vampires have experienced would stop, that... They made sure their creator didn't curse another person to be turned into a vampire and killing the Count should have stopped it. But Kuro doesn't feel relief and he's thinking only about himself and he's saying that he doesn't understand what Gear had been asking for long ago. That in his own way, Gear was saying, stay here, don't leave him alone. And Kuro's apologizing and just losing it over this, realizing that he didn't think about gear at all he didn't think gear cared he just saw kuro gets scared thinking gear just saw him as another immortal who would be here to pass the time there wasn't any deeper affection between the two and gear hears all of this rambling and all he does is grab the food off of the plate eat it to interrupt kuro and tell him why don't you sit down with me for lunch this is the best apology gear can muster is like, can we just stop talking and eat for a bit and then we can return to the conversation? In case you can't tell, I really appreciate the characterization of gear. It's a character who overcomes a lot of cliches you could get in this story and is unlike other characters we have seen in the series. Someone who is cool and distant but not without emotions it's a different emotional orientation to other characters that you have to put in more work to listen and understand what he's trying to communicate he's not someone who's that good at expressing his emotions so gear sits with kuro for lunch and he remembers the same thing Kuro remembers, that conversation that they had long ago, that humans are going to die out before immortal magical creatures like them do. 
And Gear admits it gets boring. It gets boring to outlive your human friends. Kuro is exhausted. He has bags under his eyes. He doesn't sleep. He might be the sin of sloth, but he's slothful because he's traumatized. He didn't want to become a vampire. He didn't want to kill his creator. He hears Gear say, it really sucks that humans die before we do, and Kuro agrees and can only say, you're right. You were right back then, and you're right now. And as Kuro says this, they're interrupted by the two humans in their lives, Mahiru and Yutaro, and they're asking if they took the food, and they ignore them because you think reading this, this is that interruption to really hammer the point home. Gear and Kuro are going to have to say goodbye to these two at some point. And then Gear flips this on his head. He points to Mahiro and Yutaro and tells Kuro, you didn't understand what I meant centuries ago. At least not the entire point. Gear was saying, yes, humans die long before immortals like vampires and werewolves will, but that's not all there is because, regardless, those humans are still their friends. And they know those two care about them because they're scared for their health. These few humans look at these immortals and are scared that they're going to die. Kuro knows he can't die that easily, but Mahiru is scared for his health all the time. Gear is saying that Kuro should appreciate that Mahiru cares about him that much. And Kuro hears all of this, and then he smacks Gear upside the head for acting like a teacher now. So, a funny little comedic beat where he's lecturing back at Gear saying, you know, it's funny for you to tell me I don't understand that Mahiru cares about me, when you couldn't be bothered to fix that roof until I got back here. And Gear gets angry back at Kuro and says, well, it's your fault for not coming back earlier. You should have been here earlier. And then Gear tries to pass that off and say, it wasn't that bad having a hole in the roof. I mean, I got to watch the stars at night. That's something you, Kuro, didn't appreciate when you yelled at me. But since you're back anyway, you might as well help me repair my friendship. I mean, repair the roof. So, again, we wrap this up with Gear being Sudere, Kuro learning a lesson, a lot of emotional pull taken out of what is the household and what it means to boys and what it means to men. This chapter meant a lot to me when first reading it, whether because it is sentimental or because I just appreciated seeing something that intersected with my own dissertation research. Chapter 99 of Servamp made me appreciate, again, the topics I was trying to tackle in my dissertation. It, for lack of a better phrase, made me nostalgic for what I was researching and propels me and try, and I'm trying to use that to motivate myself to say, yeah, this is helpful for future publishing. But that'll be a topic for another time. I'm going to wrap up here for today. Thank you for listening to this week's stream of Sunday Morning Manga. Have you read Sir Vamp? Have you watched it? What have you thought of how the series tackles emotion, sentimentality, or issues such as domestic ideology, nostalgia, melancholy, mental health, depression, I'd love to know. Please share your remarks in the comment section or send me an email, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. Music today include the tracks Los Angeles by Musa Production and Sunshine by Lemon Music Studio. These songs are royalty-free and available at Pixabay. Links are in the video description. If you like what you heard, please let me know. Contributions at coffee.com slash McGrath and contributions at patreon.com slash McGrath are appreciated. Please include a note to let me know what you liked in the live stream, what you would like to hear more of. If you thought anything in today's live stream would suit your website needs, such as news, commentary, or analysis of comics, anime, or larger pop culture, 
please reach out to me via email, derek.s.mcgrath, and I can adapt remarks from today's live stream into an article for your site. Additional job leads in writing, commentary, and online broadcasting are also welcome. Please email them to me, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. If you have a request for something for me to talk about in this Sunday live stream, drop me a contribution in the coffee tip jar or with a monthly Patreon subscription, $1 minimum. If it's something I'm comfortable covering here and is pretty much the same kind of content warnings as anything else I cover here, I'll consider it or I'll talk with you until we find something we're both up for, something I'm up for talking about and something you're up for me talking about. You can join other Coffee and Patreon contributors such as Emily Lauer and Alec Roach. Thank you both for your support. Remember also that your $1 contribution gets you access to my Discord server and your name and credits. And if you like what you heard, or you didn't like what you heard, please check out other people's awesome stuff. There's the Pro Left Podcast, there's Black Chat, sorry, Black Comics Chat on Twitch. There's the writing of Jeff Harris at post.news slash Namalki, and please support his work in media criticism on PayPal and on his Amazon wishlist. And there are illustrators you can commission, such as Golden Sun Deer at Twitter.com slash Golden Sun Deer, and illustrator and Twitch streamer Ichi Rose at Twitter.com slash Ichi underscore Rose underscore, and twitch.tv slash eve underscore chi underscore. Speaking of Twitch streamers, hey, the actors behind the English dub of Servamp, Micah Solasad and Ayu, host a Friday live stream featuring their illustration work, and they have a Patreon for their D&D-style isekai audio drama, Sudden Death, Sudden Life, which is available for $5 patrons at patreon.com slash pain apple studio if you enjoy their work on survey please check out their videos i think you'll enjoy their performances and illustrations and if you haven't checked it out yet please visit the youtube channel air regulars productions for a christmas themed video about the anime soul eater it features artwork by golden sun deer who again you can commission at twitter.com slash golden sun deer but before we wrap up, these book bans are getting out of control. I can't see how anyone who discusses manga or education is not addressing how these book bans are not only ridiculous and pointless, are not only scapegoating marginalized groups by targeting books by and for people who are women, black, Latinx, Asian, LGBTQ+, but are targeting what you read, what you teach, the manga you enjoy, the courses you teach. I mean, for crying out loud, there's a post at the Daily Coast about how a discussion about Dr. Seuss's The Sneetches got derailed because one of the students rightly pointed out that the book is about the intersection of toxic capitalism and already implicitly toxic racism, and then a school official interrupts to indirectly shame the students. It's the Sneetches. Of course the book is about racism. But heaven forbid we acknowledge racism is a thing because that's part of the fascist playbook. The same right-wing clowns want to target marginalized people to keep their white supremacist agenda going. Forgive me if I'm being blunt rather than more measured, but this is tiresome. Screw these book bans. Just teach and offer these books. Stop kowtowing to these fascists. And once again, I'm only offering partial solutions against this nonsense. Please find a cause that you are committed to that will oppose this bullshit in one way or another. Please donate to Democrats running for local and federal office at Act Blue. Please donate to the National Network of Abortion Funds. Please donate to the University of California Academic Workers Strike Support and Hardship Fund. And please donate to the Southern Poverty Law Center. And while I hope is a more uplifting time next week, we will get back to live reactions to new manga chapters coming out. 
And a lot has changed in the manga Undead Unlock. So let's do a live reaction to its next new chapter. That'll be chapter 143. Until next Sunday, I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good afternoon. Bye.